Hi there, and welcome to episode 13 of Cakewatch, the Brexit podcast about the exploits of the British government attempting to have its cake and eat it. Um, I am Steve Bullock, I'm an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU, and now work as a Brexit geek for Alan Smith, MEP. However, I am here in a personal capacity, and I'm here with... Uh, My name is Chris Kendall, I am an EU official... A uh, veteran of over 20 years working for the EU, but I'm here in a strictly personal capacity. Disclaimer's done. Disclaimer's done. So, this week, um, what are we going to do first, Chris? Should we do some follow-up? Yes. Let's do some follow-up. Um, do you know what? I really enjoyed last week's podcast, uh, both recording it and uh, listening back to it. <laughs> <laughs> And getting feedback on it. I can't believe you listen to your own podcast. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> this is it's slightly... Um, I was going to use um, the word masturbatory, but that would not be appropriate for a family podcast, would it? It wouldn't, but luckily we aren't one. So <laughs> I think we'll get away with it. Um, no, we got a great reaction to it. I was really surprised because I thought, honestly, people would be absolutely bored to tears by it. But um, apparently there's a, a gap in the market for two centrist dads rambling on about what they like about Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people seem to people seem to get it and enjoy it. And um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And um, we can go, we can do it again next year. Um, well, we don't want to talk about next year. Next year's too sad to think about. But if we were ever to do it again, we could do it and fill in all the gaps that we left because um, there were yeah, a lot of gaps. We- there were an extraordinary number of gaps, considering the, the, how absurdly long it was. I suffered from extreme um, ex- esprit de l'escalier, you know, the thing where you think of what you're meant to say on the steps as you leave the party. Ah, l'esprit yes. de l'escalier. That was, in fact, a, a category that we could have had, was fantastic uh, European language phrases that you wish you had in English or that you use in English. That's a good one as well, because one of my favourite films is Amelie, and there's a whole, there's a lovely, charming scene about about her feeling that, yeah. and about Amelie feeling that, and wishing that people were people were whispering from the cellars, from the, you know the half yeah. half submerged rooms in the cellars, they're whispering to her to tell her what to say, you know, so she didn't think of it later. I have a confession to make, which is that I've never actually watched Amelie all the way through. Oh dear. Mm. Well, mm. Yeah. Call yourself a European. <laughs> <laughs> am I allowed to? Am I allowed to revisit uh, a couple of the things that we did last week oh, without, okay. without having go, a two-hour podcast on, about you it? Had second thoughts about. Okay, go on. Keep it. Keep it snappy, though. Well, I forgot my very favourite policy of all, mm? which is the. Um, have, have you ever driven on the road behind a tractor, Steve? I've, I've, I've been in a car behind. Yes, I don't drive, but um, have you have you noticed that on top of the tractor um, they have little orange flashing lights? Uh, I can't. I can't say. I spent a lot of time thinking about it, but I mean, I'll take your word for it. 
Well, that, that's my favourite policy, and the reason for that is that I wrote that directive. <laughs> no. Seriously? Yeah. That was, like, one of the very first <laughs> things I did when I was in my late 20s, mid to late 20s, I wrote the directive on whole vehicle type approval of agricultural vehicles. And... Um, at the the bit, I, I don't even, I don't know the reference. We could look it up, but I can. Yeah, and it, it the little <laughs> orange flashing lights that are on tractors. That's it is. It's not legal to put uh, an agricultural vehicle on the road on the public roads in Europe mm. without one of those. You don't have to. It doesn't say that you have to have them on, but it, it does have to have them fitted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I wrote that. This is just, this is absolutely you know, you know what this was though Chris this is like this is like being a, your your first day on the building site and being told to go and get yeah. striped paint yeah. you know the whole thing was just a gag by a head of, by a head of unit it's a prank played on the newbie and as a result of this you know a million farmers uh, had to go and affix lights to the top of there and the, the hilarious thing is that my honestly own, my, we're going to get hit, I, I bet we get hit I bet somebody I bet somewhere there's a farmer who's been fined for not having those lights and we're going to get hate mail for that well the funny thing is that my uncle's a farmer in Germany and I remember driving behind him a couple of years ago and thinking Jesus Christ my own bloody uncle is not Hasn't got his little orange flashy lights on. The <laughs> official Kendall flashy lights. They call it that, don't they? They call it the Kendall, the Kendall regulation, don't they? Kendall lights. I don't know. You know? <laughs> like Belisha Beacons. How Kendall did I lights. forget that? How did I forget that policy? Have you got Easily your auto- my favourite policy. Have you got your auto lights? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, the Kend- Kendall, Kendall lights in the UK, <laughs> but auto lights in Germany. <laughs> and the, the second thing I wanted to, uh, the, the second piece of uh, L'Esprit de l'Escalier that I wanted to indulge in was, um, I can't believe I forgot my favourite TV programmes to, to share with you. Which uh, Do you know Jonathan Meads? Mm, no. Jonathan Meads, again, it, it's it's a bit shabby because I'm, I'm being very parochial about it because he's actually, he's British and they're British TV programs but they're about europe and they celebrate europe and he he did a program uh in the 90s where he it was a documentary on belgium oh you would love it i would love that i yeah. will lend you the dvd i would well i very much like that it's absolutely yeah. terrific so there you go uh, but i won't go on about it people, because uh, people don't do belgium well no but know? he does you, you'd love it and he, he did a he did a follow-up one um quite a long time afterwards about um, I can't remember what it was called, due north or something, but it was really, it was about him traveling mm. all the way up the north coast of Europe. In other words, from Amiens um, and, and, Fla- and French Flanders, the Pas de Calais, all the way up to Helsinki. Cool. It was very good, actually. Really good. Um, well, actually, while we're on this, I've got one as well. Mm-hmm. That somebody pointed out to me that for, I think for my, uh, for my career's sake, uh, I, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to mention that, of course, under favourite drinks of Europe, I forgot to mention. I forgot to mention whiskey. Oh yeah, no, I I'm, I'm Yeah, you're right. Particularly of the Scotch uh, variety. Do you and know course, what? You're it's right. An interesting, it's an interesting etymological thing oh. as well, because it's the only time, other than in relation to eggs, that you're allowed to use the term Scotch. Oh, you've yes. got a nice Jura. Yes, Chris has got a Jura ten. Yeah, here. but I've all, look how much of it I've got left. 
Well, I mean, you are a noted drunk. Let's <laughs> <laughs> finish that one off while we record. Oh, yeah, so at some point, at some point, Chris and I will share a bottle of Boonhaben to make up for the incredible insult to uh, to Scotland that, that I made by my omission here. Yeah. And hopefully I get to keep my job. So. Yeah, maybe wash down with a bit of iron brew. Oh, lovely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, not the same, it's not the same now since I've put less sugar in it. It's disgusting. <laughs> They've halved the amount of sugar in it and it's revolting, so... Uh, yeah, based on their own chips, though. Did There's so many more? things I could say, but I, no, um, yeah, but I'm um, no. We th- we should probably get into the proper podcast because we uh, we mustn't um, abuse the trust of our listeners. <laughs> We're already abusing the sensibilities and taste of them. We mustn't abuse the trust of them. <laughs> we could come back at the end and do the other bits of sure. Uh, Actually, your list was so long that I would expect you're going to have some of these every week, to be honest. Yeah. So we can do a new segment for the first five minutes. People will know Skip it. Stuff Chris loves that he forgot to mention. Well, I haven't even done the um, the, the episode notes yet and put them on, on the website. Nobody's mentioned it, which makes me suspect that actually nobody ever bothers looking at them. But um, uh, I do I do intend to do that because there was quite I a lot do, of I do, because sometimes you to. put my Twitter threads on that says me having to search for yeah. them when I want to find them. So it's quite an- Quite handy. Yeah, that's very good. I didn't think mm. of that. So what we're going to talk about today um, is soft Brexit. Yeah. Soft Brexit. Yeah. So this has been this has been massively in the news. It seems to be a sort of coordinated drive uh, for this over the weekend. Um, and uh, a lot of people are who... Remainers may have thought were fellow Remainers, or Remainers, or uh, who uh, thought that, thought they were they were fellow travellers, seem to be coming out in favour of a in favour of a soft Brexit, um, and not in a way which is the line I've always taken about it, which is that soft Brexit, you know, soft Brexit single market and customs union is the least damaging version of Brexit that's available, but it's still. <laughs> a massive crock of shit in comparison to being a member of the EU. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I have been predicting for a while that the day would come when we are confronted with a schism in the Remain movement between those who say, no, no, we want to stay. We don't want any kind of Brexit, we want to stay. And those who say no, no, we we need to we need to meet these people halfway, and and that means you know EEA, the EEA, or some kind of some kind of deal that allows the UK to remain within the single market in some form, in an EEA style, Norway style form, would meet the demands of um, democracy in terms of the referendum without giving us an economic shock. And that, that's that's their line, and their line is, well, you know, you lot are extreme, and we are looking at something which is um, a, a manageable compromise. And um, I've seen this coming, and in, I think we're pretty much there already because people are now beginning to talk about it in a way where, which, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of it. I should say as well, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with being concerned about what happens if Brexit happens, 
You know, so, I mean, I think, you know, if, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with pointing out that soft Brexit is much less damaging than a hard Brexit. This is, re- you know, this is, re- this is, this is reasonable stuff. It's, it's silly to expect people not, it would be ridiculous to expect people not to discuss this stuff. You know, there's a very yeah. high, pro- there's, a, there's a high chance, I said very high, yeah, there's a very high chance that Brexit will happen. Yeah. Um, as David Allen Green always likes to point out, by automatic operation of law, if yeah. nothing else happens. Um, so, you know, being concerned for what happens after it, if it does happen, is one yeah. thing. But seeing it as an answer to a conundrum, yeah, I think is uh, is is the the wrong way to look at it. Well, I think I think we should talk about it, and I think we should. I mean, let's pin. I mean, let's pin our flags to the mast right at the beginning. I mean, I'm clear that I think a soft Brexit would be um, a very bad thing for the UK, and I'm not sure it would even be that much better than a, a hard Brexit. And I'll explain why. But you know, having pinned my colours to the mast, I think nevertheless we should have. A conversation where we examine, you know, well, what would the what would it mean? What would what would an, what would a Brexit like that mean compared to the status quo? What would we be able to do that we can't do now under such a scenario? And what would we not be able to do that we can do now? You know, what are the pros? What are the cons? Uh, and why? You know, what, what what's the motivation of the various factions that are beginning to come around to this idea? So if, if we well, explore that, I think that will yeah. help us then to crystallize our thoughts on it no i agree and i, I think we should do that i think we should, the first thing that i think we should say is that this is single market or something like the ea but with the customs union i think it's important so i think it's important to distinguish between the kind of thing we're talking about which is uh, a customs union single market that would have a chance of solving the of, of, of i was going to say solving the irish border problem it's not solving the irish border problem it's maintaining a uh, invisible border, as both sides pledge to do. It's not about solving a problem. It's about finding. It's about finding a way to do that, um, and that can't be that can't be done without the customs union as well. So, I mean, we're not really talking about Norway. We're talking about Norway plus a plus a, a mm. customs union, and I think it's so. I think it's really pointless to talk about it in ju- in 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 pure Norway terms. I think we have to take that into account because if you're not. Uh, I mean, any claims that it's any sort of compromise or solution, if you're not going to solve the Irish border problem, are are completely completely devoid of of, uh, of meaning. I mean, so so I think that's the, that's the first thing I would I would say about it. So, what can you do in that sort of arrangement? We can call it single market plus customs union that that you can't do otherwise. I mean, my, the, what I understand from what the people advocating this seem to be suggesting is that um, if you're Norway, so let, let, let's let's just let's let's say that we're talking about Norway, and we've understood that we're talking about actually Norway plus because we're Norway within the customs union, so that that will yeah. that will be yeah. relevant when we talk about trade deals. But if you're Norway, talking about regulations and legislation that comes from Brussels. You can choose which bits of single market legislation to apply and which bits you choose. Well, actually, you know what? We're not going to apply that bit. We're going to do something else. That's theoretically, my understanding is, theoretically, you have that freedom to choose. The reality reality is that you do not simply 
leave gaps in the regulatory system because if you do you won't be well, able to it, trade i mean that's well yeah because you're 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 ceasing to apply the single you ceasing to apply the rules of the single market. If you do it in one, if you do it in a sector, you cease to be in the single market. Now, no, uh, EEA states aren't in the common fisheries or common agricultural policy, mm. and they they don't have single market, and therefore don't participate in the single market in 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 agriculture and fish fish products. That's no again. That's no good for us. That doesn't yeah. work. That's impossible because. Once you have that, then you have border controls across the island of Ireland. Mm. So, so that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a possibility. Plus, it would be an um, awful disaster for our food food chains and our food suppliers and our agricultural industry and our fishing industry anyway. Yeah, never mind the Irish border issue. There's a new organisation called Farmers for EU was set up a couple of weeks ago. Actually, oh yeah, about bloody which time. Is, which well, well, quite, <laughs> quite. But it, it was actually Fortunatus Nimium Suisi Bona Norent. Uh, I think I think that was Latin listeners. For listeners <laughs> did I, I did a bit of a joke. For listeners who didn't go to Oxbridge, that was no, uh, for listeners Latin, who didn't get to the end of last week's podcast. You have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, and you do subtitles on a podcast. You have to do spoken subtitles, don't you? You can if you're looking at the sc- uh, phone, um, screen of your phone while while you're listening to the podcast, and if the person editing the podcast can be bothered to. Um, oh no, well, that's me. So there's no, not a chance. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so. So how does the, so this is where this legendary veto comes from. People have been saying, ah, yes, you maintain a veto on new on new legislation. So um, Steve Pierce pointed out, um, who we're always a massive fan of, Steve Pierce yeah. pointed out that, in fact, it isn't really a veto. Um, in fact, what you what you're doing is choosing not to apply a new law. And I mean, something to remember about this is it only applies to new laws. You can't begin to yeah. implement a law uh, or have it been implemented for some time and then decide it's not working for point. you yeah. and turn it back. It's on new laws. So you essentially reject the implementation of new law and then uh, that sect- the sector which it applies to ceases to be, you cease to be in the single market for, that, for the purposes of that sector. And this is where, this is where the, I mean, I'm sorry, I know we're meant to be doing this in a, in a, uh, structured more structured fashion but this is where i think one of the primary objections to the whole thing is Mm. that this would always be a possibility and the right-wing press as soon as there was a remotely controversial regulation Mm. and remember in the uk a controversial regulation isn't like a controversial regulation in reasonable countries Mm. because a controversial regulation can be about the output power of vacuum cleaners (laughs) And that can be enough for people to decide to leave the European Union for the rest of the next half century, at least. Um, so uh, the, uh, as, soon as, as soon as there's anything remotely controversial, the right-wing press will be braying for, to, you, to you use a veto, you know, yeah. or, or, to, or to, leave the arrangement, to leave the arrangement altogether. So, I, I mean, I can't see that this sort of arrangement would, just, would, would survive a first contact. It's just not know? sustainable. It's just not sustainable in any way. It, 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 in, in so many, it, both in, in practical economic and terms and regulatory terms, it's not sustainable for the reasons that you just described. But also politically, it's not sustainable because <clears throat> all you're doing under an arrangement like this is giving giving the um, giving giving the people who have been whining about 
Brussels being some kind of dictatorial jackboot for the last 40 years. You're just suddenly making them right. You know, <laughs> Jacob Rees-Mogg talks about um, taking... What does he talk about? Well, the the vassal state. The being vassal a vassal state. state of the EU. And this would make him right. We would well, be, effectively. Well, effective, effectively, perhaps. I mean... A lot's been made of the fact that there are consultations and that there is an EEA, EEA council and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, exactly. This is exactly what I was going to say. We know. You, we know. People, we've been in council working groups, and it should be said that there's a council working group. How many council working groups are there? Chris, there's about hundred. Oh, hundred. Yeah, I mean, lots and lots. I mean, in my area, it's already about sort of twenty or so. So yeah. yeah. So the council working groups on uh, you know every 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 area of of of, of EU activity, um, and then. Well, we get into management committees as well. Um, and, and then for actually implementing stuff, there are management committees, again, made up of, made up of member states' uh, representatives who also, in, not in all cases, but also uh, have, a, have, have votes on, on individual project, project proposals, not just on the bigger policy things and on the legislation. And they've won EEA working group. It, it, it is pure. <laughs> it is pure fantasy for anybody to think that the EEA has meaningful input into the EU's legislative process. I mean, it, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm probably speaking off message, and but it. it, it, it I think it probably are actually. Yeah. It doesn't. Not really. Not not. And and I, my no, sense. It has. It has, it has, lob, it has lobbying. It has, it has lobbying influence. There can be observers in working groups when. Uh, matters directly concern the EEA. They can be observers, I think, in 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 committees, in management committees as well. They can only speak if the chair mm-hmm. if the if the chair asks asks for their for the for their views on stuff. I mean, this is this is really at the level of this is at the level of lobbying organisations. Yeah, you know, it, it's 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 con- you know it's consultative. I mean, it's it, it's it's nothing. It's nothing like. Uh, being a member state, nothing like being a member state. And I think one one thing people don't realise about the process as well is that the commission doesn't just decide, doesn't just magic up new proposals. No. You know, the commission sets out a work program every year, and council and the European Parliament scrutinise this and discuss it at great length. And 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 they do approve the commission work program, don't they? Mm. Um, and approve the commission work program. You know, so. So the overall direction of legislation, the, the 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 direction of what proposals are going to be brought, where things need where things need action, uh, where uh, where amend, you know where things have to be reopened and amendments made, this is all part of the discussion between member states and and uh, in council. Um, and in addition to that, you have the very broad stuff that's set out by uh, by European councils mm-hmm. as well. And you know the EA is just not. You know, it's not part of that. <coughs> so, I mean, it, it's, it, it's not part of any of that. They and then have. they're not part of... I mean, and when the Commission's drafting something, member states who have a serious interest in it are in touch with the people in the Commission who are drafting it, and, are, and the people in the Commission go to, go to them and, and seek views and so on. So there's this input all the, way through, all the way through the process, and then it's not a question of voting. People often think that council is all about voting, it really just, like in the, just like in the parliament, it isn't. Well, the vote for vote for in somewhere the least important part. And, and listen, we're talking about the council. We're talking about um, what EEA states might be able to do in not in the council, but working with working in some kind of observer relationship with the council. 
Uh, and we're completely ignoring all the massive strides that the EU has taken over the last 20, 30 years towards democratisation with the role yes, of the quite. parliament and um, you know, the role of the executive, uh, the commission and, and how it relates to the parliament and the fact that you've got you know, each member state will um, um, have uh, one of their nationals appointed to the, to, to, to the commission and the commission is then approved by the parliament as a whole and could be sat by the parliament com- as a whole. Well, of course, no. yeah. So, you know, and none of those things, you know, the EA doesn't get, a, get, get, a, get any of that. And it, it, it's a democratically outrageous notion to think that we would go from being a member state to, being, to having a status of, 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 of something like Norway. I actually, went, I actually went and looked up the... Um... No MEPs. No MEPs, no, no MEPs. I actually went and looked up. I actually went and looked up the the report of the the last EEA council. So once per year, twice per year, actually, uh, the EU and the EA, and the other EEA members meet in the in the formation of the EEA council. And I went and looked up the minutes of it. And well, firstly, firstly, there's an awful lot about men, about how. Through Brexit, they have to maintain the hom- homogeneity of the EA, mm. which is very clearly saying mm-hmm. we're not having someone yeah. coming in the uh, cherry picking. Right. Um, and the second thing is that uh, it's all about uh, the EA pledging to implement regulations mm. quicker mm-hmm. and asking the Commission to consult it more and earlier yeah. Yeah. on stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <So> <laughs> it gives you gives you a bit of an insight into what it's, it's actually it's, it's, like. I can put po- I can put po- I can post yeah. it. It's, well, I've sat in the, uh, you know, in, I mean, more and more in the common foreign security policy area, where, where you know, I've, I've sat in meetings of the, the what once or twice uh, a, a semester, they um, there is a, for example, a meeting of the political and security committee with with the EA countries, um, and the rest of the and the rest of the time, any uh, any declaration or measure. They're asked if they want to sign up to yeah. it, but and I mean, they, even that, and they, and they can say yes or no. You yeah, know? but even that meeting, exactly. But even that meeting, which is presumably what um, uh, the, all those advocates of this kind of relationship are, are thinking of, even that meeting is <laughs> is very much right. Welcome here. <clears throat> you know, the coffee's coming in a second, so here we're going to tell you uh, about um, all the things we're doing over the last six months. So you're basically going to sh- shut up and listen. I mean, obviously, and all the things we're planning to do over yeah. the next six months. And, yeah. and you know, y- you can have three minutes to say what you want to say, uh, and what you want to say had better be constructive. And, you know, again, obviously, nobody's saying this, but that's very much the the sense of how it works. It really, it it, it is completely uh, delusional to think that. There is a relationship between those EE countries. Is there anything approaching, engage, you know, f- full participation, involvement in the legislative process or the political process? No, now, and, it's, and it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be. It's not meant to be. And, and it's they not, know no, that. it's not intended to be. It doesn't that, claim to be. And that's why, if that's why, if you look at what the Norwegian uh, poli- Norwegian politicians were saying to the UK before the Brexit vote, they were saying, "Do not go for a Norway solution." <laughs> You do not want to be us, believe us. You do not want to do. You want do not want to be where we are. Well, now the Norwegian prime minister has come out and said that the UK would be would be welcome to join, and that they'd be in, they'd be interested in in greater greater cooperation with the the UK as well. Mm. And I think what and and they're interested in reform and they're interested in the ideas that the UK could bring for reform. And what they're really saying is, 
if we had a big country, maybe we could reposition. Maybe we could reposition this yeah. this this relationship yeah. if we had a big country advocating on our side. Yeah. I think they might have a misjudgment there because they're talking about a big country that's just spent the last two years pissing everyone off yeah. and costing them money. So I'm not sure that they're going to be a great. For advocate. all sorts of reasons, I think that's an absolutely ter- a terrible idea. And um, I, yeah, I we'll think see a lot. Of, but we see a lot of this. I see a lot of this among after advocate after after yeah. EA advocates. Yeah. People saying, it, "Ah, yeah, but we could reform it once exactly. we're in." Like, oh, it doesn't work. Once with, we're in, as we'll it reform is, the treaties. Yeah, we'll of course, you don't have a big heavyweight on your side. Once you have us, then it'll be like the EEA and the EU will be equal partners. No, a, not understanding what the EEA is, and secondly, what, what are you on? What are you smoking? Well, you know? well it's just more cakeism and exceptionalism, yeah. isn't yeah. it? I mean. The, they seem to think that the people they've been negotiating about this with are Iceland, Norway, and Liechtenstein. And they forget that the other signatories to the, <laughs> the, 27 <laughs> the agreement are the 27 member states. Um, yeah. So be exa- you know, they'd be in exa- exactly the same sort of weak, weak negotiating position, position yeah. that they are. And again we, kind of, again, we see this, oh, if only they'd done what we wanted, yeah. Yeah. we wouldn't be in this. Yeah. Mess, yeah. and I mean, we saw this. We, we, I, I posted something that we we see this with Corbyn as well. You know that yeah. some uh, advocates of Corbyn's weird, weird, weird hard Brexit, but pretending it's not hard Brexit positioning, are that you know if only the EU would reform its treaties to allow us to institute a Venezuela-like state, then yeah. you know we wouldn't be in this terrible yeah. mess. And you're sitting there going, "Hang on, so you want 27 sovereign member states to go through a year long, year long at the least, at the minimum?" Mm. process of reforming treaties that they consider are largely functioning fine yeah f- for the sake of an opposition leader in one member state yeah yeah yeah, yeah. as intended program you well know? it's insanity and what, what's really interesting is that um <laughs> we say that so casually all the time it's, oh, well, oh, it's total it's we yeah. don't even make a thing of it anymore yeah. you know no it's what we've come to be used to just there's so much to talk about on this it's so interesting um it's it's really interesting watching corbyn position himself against a, a soft Brexit and how that has suddenly changed the tenor of the debate on the... Are you getting people like Nadine Doris <laughs> now saying, well, I was from Norway all along. Wanted, always and wanted Daniel Hannan. And they're all, they're all like, well, we always wanted a soft Brexit with a Norway-style Brexit. And it was all that... The only reason we didn't get it was because of you bloody Ramonas who were... Who, who, uh, who, but the real and what they say is, but the real evil, the real thing that's fucking evil about this terrible empire, is the customs union. And I have to say, I mean, <laughs> if you're going around saying the thing that's really evil is the customs union, you're down to your last, you're down to your last fag in the packet when it comes to arguments. Eh? Well, a fact that Nadine Doris, of course, didn't even know was there until recently. Because she didn't well, quite, actually yeah. know what the customs union was, did she? I, so. I've been blocked by her, so I only see other people's tweets of her saying, this is completely outrageous, untrue, stroke, <laughs> delusional, stroke, a, mis- a total misunderstanding. I don't actually see what she says anymore, because she, cause she, democratically, she democratically had the will of the people to block me. So. Yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. No, so, I mean- the, so what are the... What are the what are the what are the pros? I mean, the pros are that you get mark, that you get full market access. Yeah, the pros are that. Um, well, are we talking about single market plus customs union, or are we talking about single market but not the customs union? 
I think we have to take it with a customs union. We have to, don't we? I mean, because it's utterly pointless. Exactly. If we don't have a customs Without, union for, for these purposes, then because okay, so if you, if you've got the customs union and you've got the single mar- and you've and you're a member of the single market, applying single market rules in all the sectors that we think that they should be applied, then at least we've saved the uh, supply chain, the integrated supply chain. You know, we've we've saved a lot of British jobs and we've saved a lot of British industry, and presumably we're talking about freedom of movement too. Yes, I mean that would be uh, so. Obviously, absolutely. that's a massive win for for everybody. So there are there are a number of, um, but economically, it's still a hit. Well, it's still a hit as 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 the government's impact assessments show. Um, it's obviously not not as much of a hit as. Um, uh, well, I think there's a um, Godzilla you know talk- or hard Brexit. You know we would. You know, in, in about episode two or three, we had this thing about the the views of probability. You know, and I was saying. Yeah. You know, when yeah. when you say there's a thirty percent chance, it doesn't sound that big. But when yeah. you say it's, it's a three to one, yeah. then it's, it sounds pretty big. Yeah. You know, yeah. it sounds like a decent chance. Yeah. I think there's a thing about percentages as well. Mm. You know, because people think, wow, well, well, it's only a one point six percent hit to GDP, and you think the growth, rate, the annual growth rate, mm. is less than that now. You know, so we're talking about having having the equivalent of all growth wiped off the economy every every year. No, oh, yeah, it's still and it's, still, and, it's yeah. and it's and it's not it's not equal either. So we think and we think 1% yeah, we think 1.5% isn't very much. But then for the northeast it would still it would be 3.5% and for the northwest and lots of other parts east midlands it would it would be 2.5%. Mm. And these are mass these are actually billions, mm. tens of billions mm. is, is what this adds up to and it potentially adds up to tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of jobs across the yes across the country. You know, so the idea that it's so yes it is as a I said it's the least damaging of the having a Brexit options, but well, this is still, still this is still very damage. very very significant. I mean, if 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 uh, a growth forecasts drop by half a percent, you know the market's got absolutely mental about it. Um, it has a huge impact, and we're talking about you know yeah one and a half percent across the country, one half one and a half percent in London, yeah, um, and three you know three and a, two and a half three and a half percent. Two point two point seven percent, I think, in Scotland. Um, you know, so it's it's not good. You no, know, it's not good. It's, and, it's less and bad. So, so to me, I think. I mean, I, I'm. I think. I think that's very important. Um, obviously, it's very important. But I do tend to think of it also in political terms. I mean, I. I, I, I see an outcome like this as being politically very dangerous and also outrageous for the reasons that I said earlier. I think, you know, there's, there's, you introduce a massive democratic deficit that had, that didn't exist. Yeah. Despite yeah. what everybody said, it didn't exist or it doesn't right now as members, that democratic deficit of the Certainly not in anything not like, exist, the, like. The, anything like the magnitude. <laughs> so, so you'd end up in a situation where you have a very serious democratic deficit uh, and it doesn't matter how you dress it up with 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 EFTA courts and, and 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 consultation. You are not in a situation that you are at the moment where we have genuine direct input and democratic accountability for uh, legislation that is decided by the EU and applicable in the in the UK. Um, and what that then means, and for foreign policy actions, we mustn't forget it's not just the EU's not just legislation. Mm. You know, this also includes foreign policy yeah. actions. And, yeah. What that then means is that you are going to continue to have this divisive 
discussion in the UK about whether or not we carry on down this path. Yeah. But you'll suddenly, you know, what you'll you'll suddenly get is a bunch of other people, um, like me, <laughs> uh, who will become EA skeptics and will be like, "Well, um, this this is this is this is no good. This is this this is democratically outrageous. We are uh, accepting uh, laws without having any input into those laws, and this is not acceptable." Uh, and of course, my argument would be, "So we rejoin," whereas others. We'll say, well, we need to pull back even further, and what it does and voila, is it, here we go. The same, the same, and it, we're not, we're nowhere yeah. further. We've we've gone through all of this shit, and we're still exactly where we were, which is the Tory party be pulling itself apart, the Labour party be pulling itself apart. People will be unhappy. We're um, just kicking. So somebody today um, on Twitter um, said, "We." I was having this discussion with somebody on Twitter, um, and um, somebody put it in very stark terms. Well, with the knee, with the soft Brexit. You get the economic hit, but the body counts lower. <laughs> With a hard Brexit, we're talking civil war and, you know, now, <laughs> I don't know. But say that were true. And the point is, the, the political fallout that you get from a hard Brexit, with a soft Brexit, you're just delaying it. It's, you're, yeah, not, yeah, you're, not, you're not solving that problem. You're not, you're not m- mitigating that risk. You're simply I- kicking it down the road again. And the Brexit, if you like this, I mean, the Brexit, if you like the idea, see it as a way to gradually drop, gradually drop out of the EU. They say, okay, we'll veto this, and then we'll veto that, and then we'll veto that, and eventually, you know, we'll hardly, we'll hardly be in it, but we'll have done it gradually, so the economic hit will be less susceptible. Um, and of course, that's not the case. It's just, I mean, if if a <laughs> you're basically telling the EU and the other EA members that you're coming in to fuck it up. Yeah, you know, yeah. to de-sta- to to destabilize, to put what is uh, an at- attempted cooperation into potentially uncooperative and conflictual yeah. uh, terms. I mean, for for the, for the EU, not for the, not for the other EFTA e- states, uh, but for the EU, I can see some political um, argument for this as an outcome. Because you, you you've mi- minimised the economic shock to the EU yeah. while also getting rid of a troublesome priest. Um, you, 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 you know, the UK is no longer a member state, and therefore, um, in, in in many respects, that makes political life in the yeah. EU a little bit easier. And it would um, contribute, to, and it would contribute to the it would contribute to the budget. It's still and budget, yeah. Th- it would there would be freedom of movement for people to. Yeah. to in many ways, for the EU, exactly. For the many ways in the EU, actually, it would be a kind of um, acceptable compromise. Be like, yeah, all right, we'll live with that. But, but a probably, lot of, not F, probably not in after and the EA. I mean, it would but be no, not in after and the EA, not at all. It would be an EEA-like agreement with you. With, oh, I see with, what you mean. Uh, yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. But but for people on the UK side to be saying that, that oh well, you know what? I mean, you know, it's not as bad as it could have been. Uh, it's not everything I wanted, but I'll, I'll I'll take it as a compromise. I think that's deeply mis- misguided, and and, and 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 that's a serious misunderstanding. And I I, I characterise it in these terms. So you know the you know the story of Solomon and his judgment. Um, so King Solomon, um, we didn't two, do divinity. Sorry. <laughs> Two, two, two women came to, to, came, to the, came to King Solomon. This is an example of his wisdom. Two women came, oh, yes. came to King Solomon, um, and there was a baby, and they were both claiming to be the mother of this, of this baby. And King Solomon said, right, well, that's easy. Here, give me the baby. He took the baby, the baby picked it half. up, and was like, right, I'm going to cut it in half. And, of course, uh, one woman went, 
no, 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 no. She can have it. She can have it. Just don't kill it. He's like, oh, well, you must be the mum here. You can have the baby. Well, um, an EFTA, uh, an EEA, a soft Brexit to me is not a compromise. It is uh, a it is a Solomon style um, solution. Um, in other words, um, nobody's going to be happy. No one's happy. No, you, you, people, remain... see that, people, people see that as an advantage. People, people honestly, no, I've, it's seen shit for everybody. I've seen the argument made that, you know, since, since, ever, since there's such divisions uh, it, across Leave, plus the big division between Leave and Remain, that everybody being unhappy is actually a positive thing. And this is a terrible, this is an absolutely atrocious argument to make when you're talking about the future of a nation. I mean, this, it's, is, it's, bu- it's, this is, bu- it's building in frustrations and divisions and set, you know, setting the scene for, I mean, we can predict utterly what the future conflicts on this will be, you know? So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's setting itself up to fail, which I think is yeah, what, exactly. which I think is also why, why hard Brexiters <clears throat> haven't reacted so uh, hugely to it. Whereas the, the customs union, I mean, it's all, they're all proxy wars for, for leave to get over the, leave to get over mm. the line, for mm. hard, hard leave, the ERG nutters to get over the line yeah. at any cost. So, I mean, it's all, it's all, it's all proxy wars about this, really. But the point of the customs union is that you can't, <laughs> there's no way to, to gradually disengage from a customs union. You know, there's, mm. you're, you're in a customs union, there's no border post, and then you're out of it, and there's border post. Yeah. I mean, of course, actually, the same thing. The same, as usual, they deliberately ignore the fact that you need regulatory alignment for that as well. Yeah. But that all there's always some sort of cliff edge from not being in not being in a customs union, you know. So they know that they can't. The reason they put, I think the reason they're putting up such a fight on this is that they know they can't get out of this gradually later. Mm. You know, if the arguments stand for it now, they'll stand for it later. Whereas the whereas the 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 a sort of EEA type solution that's not the case for because mm. they'll be able to chip away. For the next de- chip away at it for the for the for the next decade, and I, I guarantee there'll be a referendum on leaving leaving the single market in within five years. Yeah, you know? it, 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 to, it almost have to be. I mean, yeah, no, it, it just kicks the kicks the can down the road, and um, no, it wouldn't it wouldn't leave anybody happy. It would be it would be a democratic outrage, and people will, it, the people who right now don't see that they would they would end up seeing that because people there would be a certain group of people who won't stop banging on about it, and of course the difference being this time they'll be right. Yeah, and you know it, it's it's not a solution. It's not a solution, no, and, and, and and I, I think we have to be so careful. You'd see, you'd see it instantly with tra- you see it instantly with you know the kind of uh, trade argument you're having. You, you had over Airbus with. Um, mm. Uh, with the US, you know, the UK wouldn't be in the room yeah. when the Trade Committee, the Trade Policy Committee, decided to take that step. You know, <coughs> so they'd be re- they'd be relying on <coughs> relying on EU twenty seven going. Oh shit, we better help out. We better help out exactly. the Brits here, yeah. even though it, um, even it though it harms be... our relationship with with the states. So they wouldn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> so it that would have been would, out. It would be and then, sc- and then and then and Yes, they may have taken. They may have taken sim- similar actions. Yeah. They may not have taken similar actions because, again, the UK simply wouldn't be in the, not the wouldn't table. be in the room. No. Yeah. And, I, I, and another <clears throat> another point is that um, you made me think of um, inward investment uh, and foreign direct investment. And were we to end up with a soft Brexit, are we really? Do you really think the foreign investors are going to look at the UK as a safe bet? Are they really mm-hmm. going to look at that and think, yeah, no, well, that's now settled the issue. That's nothing's going to, 
are they you know going to make major long term multi year billion dollar uh, sorry billion euro investment decisions um, with the UK in that kind of weird trans- transitional limbo? Well, the argument goes that compared to hard Brexit, yes. Well, I, I, just, I just don't think that holds <clears throat> up. If I were if I were that person making that kind of decision, I, I would be like, no, I'm going to Poland, or I'm well, okay, maybe not Poland. <laughs> I'm going somewhere else. Within the EU. Well, the other thing on trade, of course, is that this wouldn't mean that the UK gets to automatically stay in all of the mm. uh, EU's uh, trade agreements. It would be the same. We'd be in the same situation as transition, mm. where that have to go and beg people to to roll over, and uh, and and not all third third countries we already know are, are happy at the idea of simply rolling over. Oh, and, and, and this would also be and this would also be the case for for big fat new ones like Japan and on that come down the line as well so you know you're yes. not getting the correct if but you stay in the if you stay in the eu i mean if i i think surely we can now put to bed now now we see that now we see that you know the the comparison between what you lose from from leaving the eu and what you gain from a best case scenario trade deal with the us australia canada you add them all together and it comes to an absolute fraction of it. I mean, it, com- mm. it comes to it comes to ten or fifteen percent additional, mm. because actually, trade tr- trade deals with distant countries mm. actually don't bring that much of a massive increase in trade. They do bring an increase in trade. There's no doubt about that. You know, um, they they're a, they're a positive positive economic thing, but they don't bring a massive increase in trade. And the other the other argument that I've seen is that oh well, standards are set internationally now anyway. Standards aren't really set by. Uh, by uh, by the, the the big trading blocks. Yeah. Firstly, that's only that's only partially true because we know that we have the the two major standard setters are, are the are the UK and the US, and yeah. they don't just set the standards by deciding unilaterally to set the standards. The EU, as I think Steve Analyst did a really good thread on this actually, yeah. um, that uh, they do this by <coughs> using their weight as a block in these interna- in these international standards yeah. organisations. Exactly. So the idea that, the, again, I mean, we had this with the WTO as well. There's wonderful idea in people's minds that, you know, Argentina and Uruguay and, yeah. and, and, and South Korea and Indonesia are all sitting in the WTO going, shit, if only the UK would join as an individual country, we could really get some shit sorted it, around here. Excuse you know? me, it's... It's fucking mental. Bullshit. It's I the mean, idea. It's total the, insanity. The, these fucking lunatics who think that we're too weak and pushed around to be able to have any kind of say in the EU. <laughs> but somehow the UK, one of the biggest three member states in the EU, hasn't got any say in the EU in setting the EU's position going into WTO talks. Well, we're going to reform the WTO. And yet we're somehow, going to reform outs- all standard yeah, organisations. Outside, yeah. once we're on our own... We'll have all this power back and we'll be able to go into these uh, on an equal footing with the EU and all the others and be able... It's absolutely fucking mental, doesn't stand up to the slightest second scrutiny. (laughs) And they still go on and on about it. But they don't even... The point is they don't even care about it. Like, they they don't actually really care about product standards. What they care about is a guy with a union jack in front of him sitting, shouting and banging the table and being able to and not being constrained by having to listen to foreigners about what we're allowed to say. Sitting... On an equal footing with the US and the EU as one of the world's three great super, you know, superpowers, except, of course, the EU isn't one because it's failing. 
Fuck I remember talking to, talking to singer and so singer, singer, talking to a singer in an old band of mine who is a, a professor in the US. I, I won't name him, but I mean, if you know me, you'll know who he is. Um, who's a, a, a professor in the US and has worked for the State Department and has worked for uh, worked for NATO, you know. And uh, <laughs> talking to him about UK-US relations once, and um, and I used the term special relationship, and he was like, uh, 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 "Let me stop you now. This is." A, <laughs> This is a unilaterally yes. used one way <laughs> to refer to the relationship between the US and uh, and a landing strip one. <laughs> um, don't you know? Don't get don't get any. Yes, we yes we love it when your ambassador comes around. We love your plumio accents and we love your receptions. We love your Queen's birthdays. We look, you know, we we think you're we think you're very stylish in quite a snooty kind of way, but we're very very charmed by it. But we have interests, not friends, I'm afraid. <laughs> Do not fucking kid yourselves. And I love this as well. So he always says as well that the, the, the British managed to forget that the US fought a war of independence against the British. And don't necessarily, you know, they don't have, they don't have the Queen on the currency. They it's don't so necessarily, funny. they it's... don't have this thing about the, they just don't have this thing about the Anglophony, <laughs> you know? They don't. Yeah. Well, the Americans love us. Well, they, f- they fought two wars against us. And no, they, they don't, don't love us. They love no. Mr. Bean. Uh, the Indians love us. Well, <laughs> no, no, they really don't. Well, the Africans are... No, they really don't. Well, the Canadians love us. Well, some of them. So I, saw, I saw something the other day of somebody, somebody proclaiming, you know, that, that Kanzak... Kanzak would be, the, would be the new major trading block because it has, because it has pillars, feet, feet, in, feet in different regions. It's just not how a fucking trading block works, mate. You know? <laughs> oh. uh, so oh. yeah, jeez. Um, so so I, I mean, I, I think this is a, I think this is this is more this is more cakeism, and I think a lot of leavers who not all not all by any means I should say, but I think a lot of leavers who 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 are willing either have come to this position or are willing to put up with this position as an outcome are doing it for entirely nefarious reasons. I mean, they're doing it they're doing it to to to. To make sure yeah, that the havoc, the the, yeah, to get across the line yeah. and make and sure. I, th- that I think I think remainers who, I think who one... go along with that are playing into their hands. Yeah, I'm afraid to say. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think yeah, we I'm have to be. I think so. Yeah, I, th- I think we have to be super on our guard against this. I think I think there is a real risk that you might end up with a situation where, say, we do have a, pe- a people's vote or a final say referendum. Uh, the question on the ballot paper might well be: Well, do you want soft or do you want hard? Not oh Christ, you know, or, or you know. So, so, I mean, I think we really have to guard against this. I think now is the time when we need to continue to get the message across to people: this is not the Brexit you're looking for. This is not the solution that you're looking for. This, this is not well, some kind that, of panacea. Well, also, it's, I mean, that. Oh God, I mean, the thought of that, Jesus. <sighs> um, apart from anything, if that happened, there'd be people would be setting themselves up. I mean. There's this continuing narrative, you know, that there was a um, there was an emotional argument for leave, and an emotional argument was never made for um, for remain. I mean, I felt we very emotional about it, but by the but no, no, but by the lead, I think it's, oh, okay, by the there's something in it by the leaders of the campaign. I think there's something in it. How do you emotionally argue for <laughs> for a year after like a technical technical agreement? 
you can emotionally argue for the British bulldog. Well, we see they do emotionally argue, and it does convince a lot of people. They do emotionally argue for the British bulldog, global Britain, striking out independently into the world. Mm. We think that's balmy. We know that practically, and in terms of in terms of the reality of world politics and world trade, that that's bullshit. But but that does appeal to a lot of people. Mm. So we're going to be in the we'd be in the same situation again anyway, where hard Brexit had an emotional, you know, had this had this emotional appeal, and they'd be able to use that use that again. So. Because you, could, you know, all the arguments, all the arguments that we, you know, we wouldn't have the influence in the EU anyway. We wouldn't have the the benefits that the EU brings us in terms of global influence anyway. So well, I think, I mean, I think it's an absolute, absolute balmy non-starter, and I think, I think it is, I think it is dangerous. Um, the other thing is that it relies on two two ideas. At least when it comes from Remainers, it comes, it, it, it relies on two ideas, which are, which I think. Are really common misconceptions, which I think we should really dispel. I've been trying to dispel them, and I think we should really dispel them. The first is that there can be a renegotiation at the end of this process, mm. at the end of the withdrawal agreement process. You know, so we could have the, the withdrawal agreement could come to Parliament, and Parliament could send it back, which it actually potentially could. Um, that's a different for a different podcast about how how that actual mechanism would mm. work. Or there could be a referendum, and it could be sent back to be renegotiated. What possible uh, reason would the E twenty seven have at that point? So we're talking about in February or God, even March yeah. next year after it's been, or while it's in the process of being ratified by the European Parliament, or perhaps it's already been ratified by the European Parliament. It's been agreed by all twenty seven member states. For the UTA to come back and say. Well, it's not good enough. We want we want a better deal. <laughs> so you have to reopen negotiations, mm. um, potentially re-extend Article 50 by length. I think it may well have had to have been extended anyway. Yeah. Um, keep the keep the UK as a member state longer, um, and renegotiate something that you've already done well in negotiations for. You know. Um, so as to give your opposite numbers concessions. I mean, you don't reopen something so yeah. you can give your opposite it's, number recessions. So, so this idea, I mean, yeah. and it took, and remember, it took, it took, it took two. It, it's taken two years. It's two years of pain for for everybody. Yeah, and it would take another year to negotiate to negotiate this kind of arrangement. You know, um, particularly as there would be cherry picking. I think there would be cherry picking involved from from both sides. So. Yeah. There's just no, there's no incentive for the no. for the EU to, to to at a point where they're about to get some certainty. I mean, you've got to remember the cost of uncertainty. Everybody I talk to, everybody I talk to with a business background keeps telling me about the cost of uncertainty. Yeah, they're, they're, people want this um, wrapped up. However, it's done. They want it wrapped up. They do not want to keep uh, this um, twitching corpse alive. Yeah, absolutely. Because it costs. Because it costs. It costs. Because it costs a lot. Yeah. So that's uh, the first. Mis- that's the first misconception. The second misconception. I know you have very strong feelings about this, even stronger than me, I think, um, is the idea that it can be some sort of platform to rejoin. You know, so we, ne- you know, the argument, we never really leave and then we can rejoin very easily because we haven't diverged from, because we haven't had divergence, you know, regulatory divergence. Not how it works. It's so not how it works. Yes, if you're joining for the first time, regulatory divergence is in- incredibly important. But it's not going to be a technical question as to whether the political matter. It's entirely political, and I mean, my view is: can you imagine a French president in? (laughs) I'm I'm laughing already. Yeah, I picked the French president for a reason. In twenty, 
2023. Going back to Paris after a European Council and giving his press conference at the Elysee Palace and saying, yes, yes, they caused us a lot of trouble. Yes, they cost us a lot of money. Yes, they plunged Europe into uncertainty. Yes, they gave sucker to right-wing movements across the continent. <laughs> but we're going to have them back because they haven't diverged from the regulations. <laughs> There's just no chance. There's no way. There's no way any EU politician would take that political risk for a long time until, until Brexit itself was a distant I, I can memory, see you know? political... I can see a political alignment where, you know, I can see, I can see circumstances where it is in the political interests of European E27 or however many we are by then leaders to say, well, look at what an absolute fucking mess they've made. Shit. Look at this cock up. So it doesn't, you know, we're going to let them back in um, on our terms to show just how strong we are and what a success the European project and is. Like I mean, I can imagine. States, we're going to, and like all member states, we're going, to allow, we're going to allow existing member states to suspend freedom of movement for a period after they join. <laughs> so I can imagine, I can imagine um, some kind of political constellation, you know, of the alignment of the stars where... Not for years, so, but it's, But, you know, it's, it's unlikely, improbable, it's going to take an awfully long time and it's nothing. You would not want to bet your bet your house on it. You really would not want to bet your house on that happening. Can you imagine? If all tw- of, can you all imagine twenty-seven it? plus feeling the same way politically about it? Yeah, because mm. it has to be. It has to be unanimous. And the, the, and, the, and the concessions that they would extract. You know, <laughs> Spain. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they're already uh, doing that. Yeah, I mean, just it's just inconceivable. Yeah, it's completely inconceivable. And what, what I'd ask everybody to do with questions like this is just to imagine that the, the, the UK was never le- leaving. You know, that the, they hadn't been... The la- you know, the last three years, three years hadn't happened. That happened in Portugal instead, or Spain, or Italy. Um, imagine if Italy left the EU. So, so Brexit, the whole Brexit fraud never happened. And Italy was leaving, Italy was leaving the EU, Italexit. Um... And then a few years later, after all of the fucking hassle, they wanted to come back. What would the British say? Yeah, exactly. The British would say, guys, honestly, fuck you for even asking. Mm. We can't believe you even asked. You shower. So this is, I mean, so, so this is, an, so these two things, the idea that they can be a re- renegotiation at the end, uh, or the idea that they can be, uh, uh, that, that, that it's a spring, somehow a springboard an early early yeah. re-entry it's another fa- failure of exception it's another ex- example of exceptionalism and and and, and it's well, another example of failure Remainers of have this exceptionalism as well about, no, no, about I know. it's not it's not people just people genuinely don't believe me when i say a, this about yeah, rejoining it's a widespread british problem i'm afraid it's not uh, confined to to leavers i think remainers uh, very much uh, during the referendum you saw this the people campaigning for in the people campaigning for stronger in and so on a lot of them were British exceptionalists, English yeah. exceptionalists, and I'm afraid it, 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 you're right. I'm afraid you're right. So, and it does us no good. It does us no good to do that. It does us no good to delude ourselves about these things. Eh? Listen, shall we? We, if there's anybody left at this point who still thinks that 
um, a soft Brexit is a good idea. <laughs> we, I don't know what else we can do to uh, win you, you guys over. Um, I'm going re- to repeat my thing that it is, it is easily, far and away, the least damaging version of Brexit. And it's still a crock of shit. Yeah. You know? And I mean, of course, there is a strong body of opinion. Um, and I sometimes uh, share, share, share this. Um, there's a strong body of opinion that says, well, actually, do you know what? Um, if, if we're going to leave, let's leave hard, have a short, sharp shock. <laughs> it's a very tempting. It's, I, I, can't, I can't. I mean, I can't. This is why I give this proviso all the time, because I, 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 can't, I can't accept 16 you know, 11, 11%, 16% GDP mm. cut for the North East. I don't no. give a fuck which way people But voted. my sense is that... Governments, my- have, governments have a responsibility to their population, whichever way they voted, you know. And I, I, we can't countenance this. Hundreds of thousands of jobs, millions of I mean, But my, my sense is that we're going to end up there anyway with a, with a soft Brexit. So, you know. Well, anyway, I think, but I think, I, think, I think that is true. And, but it might not, it might not be a, a sharp shot, a short, sharp shock. And I can see the idea that if we're going to end up, in, if we're going to end up there anyway... It is in some ways better for it to be a to be a sharp shock, so that people actually recognise what's happening rather exactly. than just slipping away. Blame, gradually. I, mean, I, do, I take that point absolutely. Yeah. yeah, because of course, you know, if in in an EEA in a soft Brexit um, situation, um, I think that actually makes it easier for people to blame the EU and, and yeah, others yeah. and say, well, "Oh, well, it's well, all your it would fault." Would be the EU's fault in some ways. I mean, yeah. it'd be our fault for choo- for choosing choosing that route. Yeah. One thing I was going to say as well. I mean, this is. I think that, I think also there's a there's a bit of a hangover from discussions that in the early 90s sorry in the early 2010s about the this idea of a two speed Europe you know of yeah. a concentric circle concentric That's circle true. type of type of Europe and I think people in some ways are co- conflating this idea that's of a soft Brexit a with point. being with being in the outer circle that, that's, and a that's very not good point. what and that's not what that idea ever meant yeah you know that idea meant full mem- full members but with but with different levels of engagement and cooper- and, and, and cooperation in in, in in blocks, you know, but they yeah. can still be members. And I think people don't get the idea, despite both of us saying it all the time. Yeah, that out means out. out. You know, out. you're a member. You're a member of the EU. Yeah. The, you're a member of the EU, or you're not. Yeah, transition period is not membership. Yeah. A soft Brexit is not membership. It's it's out. associations, not membership. I think that's yeah. an extremely good point, actually. Um, um, and um, I Good, think that I there was. Pardon me. Good, I just thought of it. No, no, but you're right, and I think actually it does bear a little bit of unpicking because um, there was a point at the very beginning of this process where it might have been possible for some kind of negotiation of some kind of associate member state membership status where you had a new kind of arrangement which was somewhere in between that it, it's not inconceivable to me that that might have been some kind of outcome a sort of hardcore and then a kind of slow like, you can imagine states like denmark yeah that, 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 that might have that been kind of it, with a with a wise um measured thoughtful approach to well how do we implement this really close referendum result how do we do this let's let's talk to the eu about it let's let's think this through and do it properly you know measure twice cut once yeah if that might have been a solution but after what we've been through the last two years no it's not it's not going to happen it's 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 completely off the table there's no chance And, and and these things we're talking about are not a version of that either. No, and exactly, they're not a version of that. Um, we're talking about, you know, people keep forgetting. People, we're talking about a soft Brexit. We're talking about some kind of future uh, where we would be kind of like the EEA, 
but what we're forgetting is that, or what people are forgetting is that to get to that point, you'll already have left and been out and gone through transition. Mm. The transition, mm. whatever it is, is outside the EU. Yeah. So then you're if we say reintegrating that, over trade agreements and things yeah. like this. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Right. So look, we, we probably uh, uh, roasted this chicken until it's sort of uh, stringy and dry. Um, in I think perhaps yes. I went. I went a bit um, day to day with that, didn't I? Rendered this carcass <laughs> to an acceptable stock. <laughs> we have a sponsor. Uh, a sponsor, yes, we had a late entry. They don't even entry. know They don't even they don't, know that they don't know at all. No, we're going to do a surprise sponsor. So actually, we're, we're, we we should put a disclaimer at the beginning of this to say that they did not necessarily endorse Cakewatch, no. even though we are claiming them as our sponsor yeah, they, just because they tweeted me and Chris today. Yeah, they, yeah we're sorry. We're, we're, we're unilaterally co-opting you as our sponsor, Fabio Cosenza. Yeah. Uh, and your new budding Stop Brexit group, Best for Doncaster, Yes. Uh, we we love Doncaster and we love um, stock Brexit groups and we love Fabio Cosenza, 76. I reckon he might have been born in 1976. What do you reckon? I think so, yeah. Uh, and he's hashtag continuity remain. Well, that's a good hashtag. <laughs> so um, they are meeting and plotting sabotage. They want to sabotage Brexit. This is the, this is the, secret, this is the secret plot, isn't yeah. it, that they're posted on Twitter about? <laughs> Every Monday night, every few weeks on a Monday night, uh, and they're going to have a Brexitometer event in Doncaster soon. I have no idea. I really what like that this. Is. Have you seen these? No. These are really, really good. I don't know who came up with the idea, but it's a brilliant idea. So what you do is you get a big whiteboard. Oh, I have. And you put question. You put questions, and you get, and you have different yeah. color, different color, different color tokens, so you oh, agree yeah. and dis- you yeah. know agree and disagree. Mm. And you just get people to come up to the to the store. And the 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 funny thing is that you think. You'd think that this would buy us levers, actually. Yeah. Because they would go, oh, it's fucking EU people with a mm. fucking stupid flag. I'm going to go and give them go and give them what for. And it doesn't. You see photos all over mm. of of uh, of of uh, Brit of what they called it's the four. It's Britain for EU, isn't it? Who have these local that have Stratford for EU and Oxford. I for can EU never remember the names of all these yeah. different groups. Um, and. Uh, and you see all these pictures of people, you know, people reading the questions and humming and hawing and going, you know, actually, mm. do I think this is going very well? Mm. And, mm. and and all of them. So, yeah. When people actually stop and think about it and look at it, they go, well, no, of course it's not going very well. Yeah. It's a total yeah, fucking it's shambles. It's good, isn't it? Whichever yeah, it's but I think it's a really, really good thing yeah. to do. Well, there so you go, to get involved, you should follow and at, um, at as a verb, uh, Fabio... Fabio Consenza 76. Fabio on, Cosenza on 76. All one word. Fabio Cosenza 76. Fabio Continuity Remain. Yeah. Uh, with a very we'll cool sort of like, link uh, uh, yeah, well. very cool little avatar of somebody who looks very sort of 1970s with a proper Burt Reynolds moustache. Anyway, listen. Um, I hope he does have that moustache. That's a great moustache, actually. That's a proper moustache, that, isn't it? Should we do... Um should we do Lie of the Week? We've got Lie a week. this week. We've got a great one this week. Well, really it like ties it. in very well to what we've been discussing for the last several hours. I don't believe you. You're a liar. Lie of the Week, then, Chris. This is a corker, right? Okay, so... Um, from from two of two of two of our favourite two 
proper Brexists. Alex Wickham of the Guido website that we never look at. And Ian Dale of Conservative Home. And uh, isn't he on LBC as well? Isn't he LBC, like, yeah. Yeah. Isn't he like J- James, James O'Brien's evil twin or something? <laughs> Breakfast twin, certainly. Yeah. Um, first, Wickham says... David Miliband now says leaving the single market is a hard Brexit. Remainers used to say hard Brexit meant no deal. It's always been a loaded phrase used by Remainers trying to move the dial back. Fucking liar. Um, Ian Dale says, isn't it strange how they've totally changed the definition of hard Brexit? Used to mean exiting without a deal. Now it just means exiting in a way which doesn't involve remaining. Right, this is a lie. Isn't, and it, str- isn't, isn't it strange how those two people put almost identical tweets up with funny, isn't it? each other? Um, I'm going to read out the tweet that I did in response to Ian Dale. Isn't it strange how they've totally changed the definition of hard Brexit? It always meant any orderly departure that isn't a soft Brexit. Exactly. It always meant leaving the single market and the customs union. Now they pretend it means their catastrophic no-deal Armageddon Brexit. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're very good at it. If your German heritage gives you these compound nouns, you know, it's it's brilliant. Catastrophe, no deal, Armageddon Brexit. I think that's what now we should be calling a no deal outcome. Catastrophe. We had a poll. I did a a Twitter poll last year about what you should call it. Did you? I wanted, yeah, yeah. I wanted, I wanted a um, a scorched earth. Mm. Because it was at a point when, when everybody was, when all the, all the, the, the ultras were, you know, talking about how it's going to, yeah. de- how us leaving is going to destroy the EU, you know. Mm. Um, I can't remember which one won. I'll, I'll find it. And, mm. uh, it won. But no, because I'd actually, um, I'd been watching out for this. So, so the, I think I sent you a tweet. Uh, the, I'd done, what, the middle of last year? Nearly a year ago? Yes. Um, that was sort of complaining about, a, uh, complaining about an a, a, a article. <clears throat> On the website of uh, uh, <laughs> on the website of a good friend of this podcast, actually, who also has uh, has an, another podcast which we which Chris and I also love. So I won't <laughs> I won't I won't blame Ian Dunn for this, but um, but com- complaining about the slippage in how it had been used, and I think that I think that is true. That I think there was a slippage when it was all about no deal is better than a, a bad deal. When that was the question, before uh, before negotiations started, there was a dip where it, sh- it shifted momentarily. It shifted for a month or two, you know, and then it it got dragged back to where it had been where it had been before that. But I um, always understood a hard Brexit to be an orderly Brexit, but yeah, really no, hard. no, I did as well. I, I absolutely did as well. That's all. And a no deal know. was was off 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 the scale. And single market customs union that sort of thing was soft was, was, was was soft Brexit absolutely. Yeah, so I think it is an I think it is an absolute absolute lie, but a total bit of revisionism. Yeah, I mean this is but this is an interesting response to the slippage of the Overton window that you'd been talking about a couple of weeks ago. I mean, as the Overton window moves in our direction, so the people who used to be comfortable at the far ex- uh, leave extreme of that um, now feel themselves they feel they sense it slipping and they want to pull it back. And this is how they yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. And. and uh, from 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 <clears throat> historically hard breakfasters like Alex Wickham, you know, yeah. um, that they don't want to be, they do, they can see the way it's going and they don't want to be associated with the the the, the lunatic fringe anymore. Right? Yeah. 
So there we go. Right, now, um, finally, a little... Yes, we have a, new, we have a new spot. Yeah, a new, little new spot. So, look, I need, I need to preface this. Um, this is, we're going to call it, I don't know, what, Critics Corner? So, I don't know. Because um, we're not critical of other things. <laughs> no. <laughs> we spend no time being critical on this podcast, of course. We're just sweetness and light and positivity normally, so... So I've, I've been expecting for a while to see a flourishing of creativity in relation to Brexit because people feel so strongly about it. And I expect we're going to see all sorts of very interesting creative takes on Brexit and, and what's happening to our country. And, and, and in Roma- on the Romaniacs podcast, was it last week or a couple of weeks ago, um, they had uh, Billy Bragg on. Yes. Um, and he was doing um, a song, full, a new song. Full, done. full English Brexit. Oh, Full English Brexit. Really, really good. Yeah. Really okay. good stuff. And I hope and expect, yeah, I hope and expect, I hope and expect more, um, a lot more where that came from. But in the meantime, um, we... Um, we've had, we've had Maddie, Maddie Kay writing songs constantly as well. Yes, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, we've had um, some very... Um, kind people have um, spontaneously uh, um, decided to send us some of the things that they've been doing. Um, We don't solicit this. um, And I think we have to stress that this, this segment is unlikely to become a regular segment and we don't really want it to become a regular segment. An occasional segment. Yeah. Because we don't honestly have uh, the time or the, or the talent to, to do justice to this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, you know, we true. are really happy that people have sent us, like, and we'll tell you what, what it is in a second, but um, we're, we're talking about books and, 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 and some, uh, I mean, there's some super creative stuff that people have done, and we'll mention it in a second. But um, if you are thinking of um, sending stuff to us to review in depth, well, we're not going to. We're going to skim through it, but we'll happily give it a mention. Yeah, very um, much so. Yeah. So you know, uh, and congratulations on and do include a self-addressed envelope. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't just just <laughs> no, don't give know. it to us. Uh, so yeah, so three things. And also, if any breakfast-related beer manufacturers oh, yeah. want to send us things to review, we're we're happy to do that as well. Yeah, and I'm also happily I'll, I'll happily spontaneously uh, review uh, Weatherspoons, for example, um, as as uh, now good old Weatherspoons, um, home of uh, Leave. Uh, I won't actually go in it to review it, but I will review it. <laughs> and my review is boycott Weatherspoons. Boycott Weatherspoons, absolutely. Okay. Anyway, listen. Um, three uh, three things. Firstly, um, do you want to introduce the first one? The Steve, can you still see me? I can't see you now. Ah, the, the video's gone. Oh, okay. So I'm holding up the uh, book um, from SKZ Cartoons. Ah yes, yes, I'll do this one absolutely. I'm, I'd say I'm a huge fan of SKZ cartoons. SKZ cartoons, as far as I know, I mean, I get this biography wrong, but it, it's 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 one guy who started doing these cartoons very, really, I think, pretty soon after the after the referendum, actually, um, and they became very, very popular on 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 Twitter, and I, I was retweeting them all the time. I mean, they're they're really, really excellent. And I think what and what we have here is we have this book. We have the little. It's called the little the little book of Brexit logic: recipes for disaster. Um, and on the on the cover, I mean, he has these wonderful characters who are obviously um, who are obviously meant to be uh, non often non specific individuals within the within the government dealing with dealing with Brexit ministers normally. 
But if if Theresa May is absolutely absolutely fantastic, I really love I really love the the, the character he has for Theresa May. He he hasn't attempted to make it look like her at all. Uh, he's made it look like a, a sort of a really stern stern school mom. On the on the front, Therese, the character that if you if you read the book will will uh, you'll you'll see is is Theresa. Are you, I mean, go, uh, have a look on Twitter as well, but I do urge you to go and buy the book because apart from anything, I think it's a historic artifact of, yeah. the, of, the, of the time to have. On the front, there's a guy saying, how dare these judges delay things so that they're done legally? And the Prime Minister's saying, the people voted. What they voted for is irrelevant. Do you think that's supposed to be, I, do you think that's supposed to be Theresa May? I, I just she's had it as a... She's, no, she's definitely, she's definitely Theresa if you go, if, oh, if, right. if you go through it. Well, anyway, um, um, so these these cartoons also appear regularly in the New European uh, newspaper, which I'm sure everybody subscribes to. Absolutely, um, and, I was very, I was, and kudos to the kudos to the New European for uh, for 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 spotting and uh, and adopting. Yeah, this. I mean, I think I think as I, I'm pretty sure that um, I'm pretty sure I can't remember who runs it. I'm really who, who the name of. I did know. I'm very sorry about this. Very sorry to ask about cartoons. Um, but I'm pretty sure they weren't a professional cartoonist, you know, when they started when they started doing this. And um, so, so huge kudos to the New European for doing it, and they're really great. And each each one of these, you look at and you go, "I remember that. I remember exactly that situation. I remember thinking how fucking absurd it was." And they just capture that perfectly, you know. Mm. So very, very highly recommended. And I'm pretty sure the book is available through their website, and it may be available through Amazon as well. And uh, oh, there's an, int- there's an introduction I could have read out here. <laughs> I've realised that actually on the first page there's a uh, there's there's a bit of a uh, there's a bit of a uh, bio here which I hadn't read. To those who point out that the generic old woman doesn't look like Theresa May, though it's clearly meant to represent her, Chris, yeah. I say, well, either that's artistic license on a level that you just don't understand. Or that's just the graphic I got from the website I made, <laughs> and I made do because I never expected this comic lock to last. Oh yeah! <laughs> so that Missed kind that. of attitude's taken through all these. So very, very highly ranked man. Please go and buy the book because it supports people doing this stuff, and it's excellent. Very good. Next up, John Quark um, is somebody who has sent me three books. You can't argue with three free books, three can you? Books. Trilogy, three books. Three free trilogy books in four parts. So, um, so. Yeah, full disclosure, I've been sent these three books, which retail for £4.99 each from popgunpress.com. One word, popgunpress.com. And I haven't read them all, but I have made a start on one of them. So one's called Mayday, one's called Bozo, and one's called (laughs) Farago. Uh, So you can probably guess what they're about. So they're, they're little sort of um, satirical bios, um, just uh, novelettes um, written. I think uh, John used these as therapy. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that worked for him because they're pretty funny, actually. Um, the first few pages that I've read of the Mayday, um, I, I liked. They were funny. So go and have a look. Um, go and have a look at popgunpress.com. Um, you might want to. Um, you might want to pick up those books. Um, I can imagine that actually they make terrific stocking fillers at Christmas time. Um, that's a long way off. Um, beach. Get them and read them on the beach. <laughs> Great summer reading. Exactly. Yeah. 
Good, good go. save, Chris. Very good save. <laughs> so that was good. And then um, thirdly, um, this is... I mean, I'm, this a, is I'm, I'm a huge fan of this, actually. Yeah, this is impressive stuff. So um, the, we were sent at our Cakewatch uh, Twitter account um, a link to um, the uh, this... Well, what would you call it? Um, it's a it's a it's a sitcom that that people have been putting together. I mean, it's really professionally done. Re- it's proper like high it's, production it's a, value. It's essentially it's essentially the office set in the X for you. Well, it's like um, or, or rather the thick of it. It's the like thick the thick of it. Of yes. it. Yeah, it is like the thick of it. It's effectively but the thick e- of it, even, but in you. But even drier, actually. Mm. And so I, these guys actually got in touch with me after the first episode went live to to to, to ask me what I. Ask me what I thought of it, you know. Um, and I think they really captured. I think they really capture the the mund- This doesn't sound like an advert for it, but it really is. I think they captured the kind of mundanity of of being a civil servant, you know. In the um, you ju- you know you just have to deal with it. So the you know the setup here is that you've got the. I mean, I think he must be the the. Director General or Deputy Deputy Director General, and the, you he's know, the Ollie Robbins character, isn't he? Well, I'm not sure he is the Ollie Robbins. He's, well, he's supposed to be the chief of, negotiator. I know he's right. He, I think they've actually captured a sort of deputy to the chief negotiator better. I have to say, but that's I mean that's a very very small point. Um, and and in 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 his office, and obviously, none of none of them think that this is a particularly good idea, and are trying to make. You know, trying to make the trying to make the best of it with the, the sort of ministers and the diktats coming from number ten, and the lack of policy. I mean, the, the recurring theme of it is, you know, they want us to go and say something about this, but we've got no idea what to say because the cabinet hasn't agreed it. You know, and they've really they've really done a great job. I mean, the the um, they're obviously not working on a high budget. The production value is very high. Where the where the where the budget is evident is there aren't there aren't very many characters in it. You know. Mm. Um, but that, but that's, but that's fine. There weren't very many characters in Yes Minister either, you know. So I mean, because actually, you would, you would, the 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 department would be bi- would be obviously much bigger. The the writing's good. The acting's good. Um, the, the acting's very very good indeed. Actually, the the, yes. the actual production um, is, is good. The, you know, the editing is good. Um, it's funny. I don't know that the writers have direct experience of either the eu or um civil service themselves um as, as, as an insider you sort of spot few but i um, that's just picking the odd, well, yeah the odd <laughs> the, yeah 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 the odd one but it's but it's, it's i it's can't tell whether it, yeah. they actually genuinely think Liechtenstein is in the eu or if that's just a bit of a creative uh, yeah, license yeah i was going to put them up on the Liechtenstein thing i think i think they i think the writers do know that Liechtenstein isn't in the eu and they're making the point that the DXU doesn't know that Liechtenstein isn't in the I'd, EU. I'd like I, to I'm going to give I'm going to give them the benefit give of the doubt. But in the last episode, so they've done three episodes of this, and they're looking for they're looking for some help, they're looking for some crowdfunding or a sponsor or somebody to take it on, uh, take it on more white, uh, take it on and put some uh, resources resources so, into it. Yes, you know? so it's um, it's called Negotiations is the is the title of the project. Uh, they've done three episodes so far, I think. Yeah, and I was just going to say the, th- the the third episode. I was just going to say one scene in it, which I thought they got absolutely brilliantly, was that they had a new junior minister came in in episode three. A new junior minister arrives, um, who's basically been put there because he was a hard because he's a hard Brexiter, you know, not not because he be any use as a any use as a minister. 
and have you know really no idea about who the members of the EU are or anything like this. So he decides that the first thing he has to do, you know, you've come into with a to to be a fresh, clean broom uh, through the department, and he's decided that the answer to the Irish problem is for uh, Ireland to to also leave the EU. <laughs> Which is not, you know, we laugh. It is hilarious. It's what actually, people are actually saying. People are actually yeah. saying this, and when you see it, it, it it's even more absurd. Um, and this, and the reaction to it is, it's great. There are, you know, there are a few, there are a few issues with with this. I don't care. You've got, you have to go and go and tell the Irish that <laughs> yeah. this is our policy. You want me to go and tell the Irish? Pro- this is our proposal. They say you want us to genuinely go and tell the Irish. Say yes. And there's this brilliant thing which I think they really did catch, which is when they go to, when the official goes to see the Irish. I just have to tell you. She says, "You know, I know this is absolutely fucking mental, but I but it's my job to say it. So can we just get it over with? Can I just say it and then you say you can go and fuck yourself?" And then I go back and say, they said we can go and fuck ourselves, and then we never have to talk about this ever again. <laughs> um, and I think that really captures yeah. the lot of the, the the lot of a civil servant with a with a with a uh, with a nuts minister, actually. Which so so I really you know I really enjoyed this, and I, re- I really wish I really wish them well with it. Um, yeah. So they're on uh, Vimeo and they're on YouTube. It's negotiations, and the name of the outfit uh, is Team Able Archer. And so you can find them on Twitter at Team Able Archer. Um, wasn't it, wasn't Able Archer the um, the NATO exercise that yes. nearly caused nuclear war? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So three um, examples of fantastic creativity uh, from people that are finding that as an outlet for all their Brexit schmerz. So um, good, on, <laughs> good, you know, good on them. And thank you for sending those to us. We we, we really appreciate. You're sending them to us. We really enjoyed looking at those. Yeah, absolutely. So, Steve, I think we have reached the end of this week's podcast. Yes, I think we have. I think we have some news for next the next podcast, though, is that we're going to have a guest. That's the plan, at yeah. long last. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're not going to record in the middle of the night like we normally do. No, in fact, well, that'll be unusual. We may, even re- we may even be recording... Recording on location. As yeah, well. I might not actually be recording it in my pants, which would be it. Yeah, that would be it. That would be it. Novelty and also blessing for me. <laughs> uh, so thanks very much for for, for listening, um, and uh, we uh, we hope that uh, hope to. Why can't I do outros? Jeez, I can never do outros. Scott, can't never can say goodbye. Outros, Steve. I just can't do. Ah, oh, I know. I don't want to say goodbye. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's with a heavy heart that we bid farewell and adjourn. Every time that <laughs> so start heading night. for the door. <laughs> good night. Same and good old luck. <laughs> good night and good luck out there in Brexit land, everyone. We'll see you next week. Good night. Your love.